Episode 9, Series 3, it's Whiskey Unscripted. I'm Gordon Dallas, and this is... Hello, I'm Gordon Dundas. You'll best start, Gordon, that was very good, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, maybe cut the singing next time. But how are you? How's things? I, I'm, yeah, not very well. Not too bad at all, not too bad at all. Um, things continuing to open up, so that's good from our hospitality and our friends in that industry. Glengoyne Distillery will be opening for tours on Monday, the 17th, I think, as will most other distilleries in Scotland, which is fabulous. And all I would say to people is, if you're not going on holiday and you're in Scotland and the UK, go to a distillery. Great idea, Gordon. Absolutely fantastic. We have to have had to put up with a lot of the online, all these Zoom calls, and we've been right in the middle of it. So it's it's been great, but actually doing it in, in person is going to yeah. be... Marvellous. If I'm not going abroad, I will be going round uh, as many as I can. Absolutely. Um, me too. Me too. <laughs> Gordon, we task you every week with looking at the whiskey news. I thought, you know, um, we'd just have a quick look back because the last episode with Leonard Russell, we talked very briefly about uh, doing the online Speyside Festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a huge success. You were it, part of it. What did you make of the other? It, I, 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 I thought it was great. I thought, you know, for you know, assembled pretty quickly, done really, really well by the Spirit of Speyside Whiskey Festival. Some of the events were very funny. Um, There is always limitations on virtual. There is a limitation on it, but what they did was fabulous. And I think what what we did uh, at Tamdu was 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 really the way we do things, I think. And, and I think Sandy would probably say that. Um, so are we going to listen to what Sandy thinks? I was about to say, <laughs> I can actually, you were busy when I caught up with Sandy just to get his feedback on how it all went. So here is the manager of Tam Do. Is he there? I don't know. Uh, is he? There he is! I'm, I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we are joined. We are, as if I've got a produ- production <laughs> production crew <laughs> up in the gantry. We are joined by Sandy McIntyre, manager of Tam Do. And Sandy, um, well, how are you first? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Gordon. I'm all recovered. Uh, we've got a wee bit of tough times going on up here in Murray just now with the, the COVID situation. Murray seems to be a hot spot in Scotland, so a bit difficult times for us, but, you know, we've all been there. We're all going through the same situation, so we'll hopefully, we'll get there. We'll all come out of this uh, much better at the other end. I'm hopefully. Well, let's shine a light on something that was uh, great fun, and we've not really had a good in-depth discussion and dissection of the Spirit of Speyside online festival. You were all over it, Sandy, so could you outline how it went, what was happening, and feedback that you've had well, from... bits I can remember and bits I can't remember quite so well, <laughs> unfortunately, so I'll tell you the bits I can remember. <laughs> but it's a wee bit like, uh, you know, you, you're doing the, the you know, is, is he there, is he there? Feel as though I'm uh, one of the Eurovision Song Contest judges at the moment. Well, that's coming up in the next few weeks as well, obviously. So, but yeah, Spirit of Speyside. Spirit of Speyside, what can I say? Um, one of the largest whiskey festivals there is, uh, probably outside maybe Isla Whiskey Festival, the beach over in Isla. Uh, it usually brings a phenomenal amount of people to the area. And obviously this year, that would be a bit different in that uh, well, we're holding all that virtually. But do you know what? What a great response we had from the members of the public out there and followers of whiskey globally. Uh, we had folk on from Canada, folk on from Hungary, um, and we, we had a chance to meet up with old friends again as well, even though we're doing it remotely. It was great. Well, before that began, was there, were you worried? Was there trepidation among the community out there about this being virtual? 
Um, I guess there was a wee bit of, um, I suppose, computer um, concerns maybe for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting older. Um, the IT isn't maybe quite the, the same as it was years ago, and there was a new system that the, the Whiskey Festival were using as well. So that element of things was, was probably where my trepidation sat. And, you know, you're, you're always just hoping that you don't lose communications with anybody when you're doing an event. I mean, it's, it's the most difficult and, uh, and trying kind of period you can have. So fortunately, you know, other Gordon, yeah. um, as he knows, um, works yeah. great with me. And the two of us kind of intertwine and uh, he picks up the bits where I suddenly disappear and vice versa. Well, so. Can I stop you there, Sandy? Because it would have been easy. It would have been easy. Uh, and no disrespect to other distilleries if you just sat down in a room and did the tour cutting the videos. Do you know what? We, we got great feedback here at Tamdu. Um, that was one of the things. We we do do things live. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, it's like doing this, Gordon. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's, it's we don't script anything. It no. goes where it goes. People can ask some questions and we'll answer the questions as we're going along. As so for your tour, for those listening, uh, there's people listening from all over the world, hopefully to this episode, episode uh, nine, tell the listeners and viewers on YouTube where you started from. Well, was you know what? It was one of those days where it was, it was a Thursday night, we were doing a virtual tour of the distillery, um, try and do things a bit differently as well, and maybe throw in some big oddity or whatever else. I decided this year we'd start on top of the malt bins at the back of the distillery, which was a good idea. It was a good idea in principle. Right? Yes. It was high up, great views of the site and all that. But do you know what? Um, about five minutes before I started doing the broadcast, it was snowing. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, it was howling wind. And I, I'd originally got up in short T-shirt, you know, like this. And <laughs> I thought to myself, what the hell am I doing? I'm a nutter up here. Um, standing up there in the freezing cold and the freezing wind so quite quickly we got ourselves down from the air and then into the distillery and the heart of the city so. well I was a bit late coming to it and I thought why is Sandy got a woolly hat on <laughs> then your camera pan back I thought he's in top of the mall I've still got it behind me here <laughs> yes there it is <laughs> so it could have been so much easier because one or two people I did drop into a lot of the events I agree with yourself I thought it was exceeded my expectations because you could drop in, there was a menu, and you could Brilliant. pick, oh, there's Sandy uh, doing the Tamdu tour with Gordon and Dazzle, drop into that, great, and uh, it really it really worked. I mean, the unfortunate thing for us is, you know, we, we actually hadn't put any tasting packs together or anything like that, hadn't sent anything out to people. Um, we did a launch on, which, you know, great, thanks thanks yourself, Joanne, and the, and the rest of the team that actually picked our single cast. We did the launch on the Friday night of our Dalby Alley, which is our oh. our whiskey festival release, which you, you know guys know it, it just flies. And this year it just oh <laughs> what the heck? You know, it was we couldn't we couldn't keep up with the orders that were coming in. Um so it's weird to see Sandy, um because I've read your notes because you made me read them to to do the tours of Tamdu. Is it fair to say you said the Dalby Alley flew, which is unlike the train that used to go up and down that track. <laughs> not nicknamed the Sputnik, which never really flew. It was That's the complete right. it was opposite. It's funny, I was looking at some old photographs of it today. There were some that appeared up on Facebook that I was just looking at. Uh, it was photographs of the last train down the line uh, just over 50 years ago now. Uh, so they always kind of keep on reappearing up, uh, reappearing up on Facebook. But yeah, the, you know, the, the Dalby Alley, wow, we do a thousand bottles of it. We sold 600 of them in the morning, Gordon, which is, you know, totally unheard of for Tamdu. Um, we're thinking, right, okay, we held some back for people abroad. Um, so, you know, that was one of the key strategies we had is so there's something left for, for us to be able to ship abroad. 
And then, of course, you know, beyond that, we then moved on to our single cask as well, which, again, you know, 590, 92 bottles or was of that. Um, and again, that's just disappearing quickly as well. So, you know, it's, it's a brilliant time. It's a, it, you know, what we missed out on this year, obviously, is this whole piece of meeting people face-to-face. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes it's the same faces. You know, you've been here a few times. And it's the same faces. You're even come, coming back and having another tour of the site. That's fantastic. And that's one of my questions, just to broaden it out, um, if you can, for Speyside, but even just for festivals in Scotland, how important are they um, as, a, as an event? Oh, they're, they're, they're magnificent in terms of the, the whole following of our, our industry. Um, we've got local clubs in certain areas as well that, that, that are attracted to different events local to them. The, the industry itself is very, very friendly, which you know we know. So there is no rivalry between us during any of these whiskey festival events. It's all about socialising. It's all about having fun. It's all about introducing people to, to new whiskies that they maybe haven't tried before. Meeting up with friends again and having a crack is the word I use. It was absolutely spectacular. And I just thought I'd just rhyme off uh, some of the things I popped in to see online. Uh, Balvenie, great uh, afternoon oh, there. Too. Craig Ellicke, it was a good afternoon. Uh, the Gordon and McPhail single malt portfolio was a good one. Enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I was salivating. Glenn Morey and I have to say um, two I thought stood out and one you were involved in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we say. I'll do, that in reverse. I'll do that in reverse. The other one that Sandy was involved in, we'll do it in reverse. The other one that I really enjoyed was Stephen Rankin. Stephen Rankin of Gordon McPhail, I think mm-hmm. he's in charge of prestige. He was doing a tribute to his grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. George Urquhart. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a lovely uh, hour spent listening to uh, Stephen talking about his grandfather. And one thing, because I went away to research it, came out with me and was because I was born in 1968, uh, Mr. George Urquhart released The Connoisseur's Choice in 1968, which was aged single malts. When the whole world was looking that way for blended whiskey, George Urquhart released single malt age statements. He was going that way. Of course, the whole world followed him. Some of the the whiskies that Gordon McPhail have got in their bonded warehouses in Elgin, you know, it is like a real treasure trove. It really is. You know, I've, I've once been inside it and you walk around and you go, You've got that. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, how, how do you get that? And what? You've got one of them kicking about. You know, it is. It's, it's like, you know, it's like going into an Aladdin's cave of whiskies. I know. And that's something coming from you because you've got some of the finest warehouses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you, you appreciate when you go around somewhere else, you're looking at, oh, you know, I haven't seen one of them for a lot of years or I didn't really realise there was any of that kicking about anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's, that was a great, uh, great evening spent with Stephen there. But, um, would I lie to you? Was the panel game show? And can I just say before you give us your reaction to it, it was. Um, let me see. It was Sandy McIntyre, Dennis Malcolm, Alan Winchester, and you're up against George Grant, Ian Miller, and Kirsten Grant. Just explain what happened to the listeners. Okay, okay. Would I lie to you? Is uh, for those that are out with the UK, is a, it's a UK-based quiz show where you there's two teams and a, and a host. And basically, people recite a story, which may very well be true, may very well be false. Um, it can be about any particular subject you want. And then the people in the opposing team have to decide whether you're telling a big, fat, porky lie or whether you're telling the truth. <laughs> um, and, you know, some of the stories that were coming out on the evening, <laughs> there, were, there was two different uh, events. It was one the following night. I was, I was in the older group, which kind of stunned me slightly. But you know what? <laughs> Uh, you're, you're in with some real 
big industry stalwarts, Alan Winchester, Dennis Malcolm, George Grant, you know, these these are the names that are, you know, synonymous with, with Scotch roundabout to Speyside for sure. Um, worldwide names, um, Kirsten Grant Meekle as well, and Ian Miller. Um, so, you know, a great group that we had. And we just had fun. But, you know, it was, and I was I was continuing to enjoy the time do single cask, I've got to admit. <laughs> this, had, this is the same night as we'd done the launch and there's a few drams of Tamdu enjoyed. They went on to do this with more drams. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, uh, yeah, as I say, that I can remember up the point in the evening <laughs> um, and beyond then, uh, there's not much I do remember, actually. Um, but it was, it was this whole piece around people's imagination that they could make up some great stories. But beyond that, it's actually the great stories that are true. <laughs> because in, in our industry there has been characters over all these years that I mean are becoming less and less and less perhaps now um, with the way that technology is coming along and uh, health and safety has been introduced but if we think back 30, 40, 50 years and you know that's, that's the time scale I'm talking about for, for Dennis Malcolm but in the industry for 50 years um, so he remembers the days where you know the carry on that was going on and the true stories that there are. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really need to make up anything, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, you're sitting there chuckling away to yourself thinking, that can't be true, that can't be true. And, you know, it is, goes up the way through sign at the end of it. So, great laugh. And then Love. the second night, there was Love. some other um, stalwarts of the industry. Uh, Richard Forsyth, or young Richard Forsyth from Forsyth, that we call the stills. Again, you know, worldwide known uh, name and business. And again, the crack was absolutely fantastic in that one. Uh, it's fant- as I love, able to enjoy whiskey, but have a laugh as well. It's not all about being serious and having a taste as well. You just yeah. mentioned it, Sandy. One of my questions when I had you on um, was, what's the relationship like between you and other managers? Or you just mentioned the Forsyths. Speyside, uh, we know, is an area, but is there interaction between you guys? Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, very much so. I mean, I had Callum Farkless from Glen... Eh, Callum Farkless. Callum Fraser from Glen Farkless, I should say, around here yesterday morning, just to look at a piece of, piece of kit that we've got here that they are thinking about buying. So, yeah, we, we all interact with one another, as I said before. You know, we might be rivals when it comes to a bottle and a shelf in a supermarket or a, an off-license or, or, you know, a whiskey shop. But really, our industry is second to none in terms of the relationships that you've got. And that's one of the things that we're all saying that even out with the festival, because the festival is a great chance to, to meet people both coming in, visitors to the area, but also within our own industry. Um, but that whole element of being able to interact with your colleagues and your peers, uh, which we do on other occasions during the year out with the festival, uh, we've missed that completely. And we're so looking forward to getting back to that situation as well. Well, that just brings me on to my another section I wanted to chat to you about. But before I do, because I think you might need a whiskey for this next section, we always have challenges. Um, Sandy, in your honour, I've decided to pour myself a little Tamdu 15. Great stuff. Well, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't do better. What my award-winning whiskey you've got there. I've got a couple here that I'm uh, trying out. Um, this is for a release already that we're thinking towards 2022 for Chinese New Year for 2022, which is a release that only, unfortunately, goes to the Asian market over in China, Japan, I think Taiwan gets some, and we're actually talking about next year releasing some into, I think, Australia, New Zealand as well. So I haven't actually selected what it, which one of these oh. is going to be yet. Well, we might, we might uh, help you along your way when you have a sip of, sip of this. That just, again, so many things fire in my head. 
How far are you thinking? How far ahead are you and your team thinking? Uh, we're, we're already, uh, we'll obviously come out of the festival. Um, I've already got some plans in my head for next year's festival in terms of events. Uh, we want to maybe introduce something a bit different again to the site. Um, and, and again, welcome visitors back, obviously, because it's their only chance to have that at Tamdu. Yeah. Um, we are, we're working on this Chinese New Year, New Year release, obviously for January 2022, really that is. But by the time we get that packaged up and sorted out for shipping out to China, you know, we're, we're into, well, we're nearly into June now. Um, so, you know, we're, we're only six months away from the end of the calendar year, which, you know, might seem like ages away yet. But when we actually start thinking about all that packaging, shipping, et cetera, and getting it out to the, to the market, you know, really, I'd really need to have this done within the next week. Um, wow. We're already working, and it's not a secret, on Tamdu 18, which will be um, into January, well, actually, probably March, February or March release in 2022. Um, we've got something else exciting coming at the back end of the year as well. Um, for next Dalby Alley, Dalby Alley 5, we'll probably be starting work on that in August, I would imagine, in July, August. So, you know, we're probably about six, six months ahead of when we like to do any releases. Right, that's fantastic, Sandy. It really is a comprehensive answer there. But I just thought you could maybe help me. Reading, you know, some articles and chatting to some of my friends, um, slowly we're emerging out of lockdown and there is now talk about going into bars, there's now talk about um, what we'll do when we get a whiskey club together. And I just thought Whiskey Unscripted could maybe um, give a little bluffer's guide to staging a whiskey tasting. Now, there's various ways you can do it, Sandy. I hope you might help me out. Yes or no, or suggest some. So, okay, go on then. Go you can on do then, three whiskies or do five whiskies. While we're sampling a lovely Cam Dew. Um, Sandy, suggestions for... Well, let's go an easy one. Let's start with your distillery, Tam Dew. If you were going to suggest people out there to do a Tam Dew whiskey tasting, what would you do? How many whiskies and what would they be? Well, I'm, I'm working, actually, with... the. Uh with a tasting that I'm maybe going to be involved with towards the end of June. So again, probably thinking about six weeks away. And some of the suggestions I put to them, because Tamdu is only matured in Sherry Cask. We know that. We've spoken about that before, Gordon. Um, so, you know, we are, we're only ever matured from day one right to the day we're taking the, the liquid out the cask in all the roasted Sherry Cask. So what I'm working with is, I'm not going to say a deconstruction, I suppose it's a reconstruction of Tamdu, um, because I would like to sort of work with some new make spirit would like to work with some Olorosa Sherry and then go into some of our young expressions, our 12, 15-year-old, and then even go down the, the differences between European and American old casks. So that gives me five, six, well, I'll say five or six liquids. Um, obviously, you know, we're only talking maybe there are four whiskies, but a new make and a, a, a actual Olorosa Sherry that we use for seasoning our casks. Wow. And I think that actually tells a story from the liquid coming from our spirits the seasoning of the cask, and then what's actually happening in the cask. There's a lovely idea for a whiskey tasting. If you could get that together as a whiskey club, out with being inside, uh, like Sandy is, good on you, but that's a lovely idea. But even getting the Oloroso Sherry, if you've not got access to new make yeah. spirit, if you're a whiskey club, that's a nice idea. Well, e even exploring some of, you know, if you were doing it differently, Gordon, another one is to explore some of the cask finishes if you were wanting to, to have some other whiskies there as well. Okay. So again, go Oloroso, go some Pedro Jimenez, and then go to some whiskies that are actually been finished in either or matured in either of those casks. And, you know, or, or some red wines there as well. You know, there's so much you can explore around. That's a lovely one. Of, one of the whiskies I tasted actually, we, because we had a, a fourth 
event up here at Tamdu during the festival. And we did it, and you're speaking about, do you ever get in touch with other managers? We did that, and it was a celebration of Speyside, basically. Speyside in 2020 did exceptionally well at the IWSC Whiskey Awards. Uh, basically, you know, in terms of the gold awards that were, were announced that year, you know, absolutely brilliant. Um, so we actually pulled together the distillery managers from the distilleries that were successful in obtaining golds, and we pulled together some of the whiskies. Now, that was, to me, um, the highlight. And I, I'm only a wee bit disappointed in that I was still a wee bit hungover from the night before because this was, you know, Friday night was a wee bit more heavy. The Saturday night, um, I had these fantastic whiskies, you know, some uh, Balvenie Caribbean cask, uh, some Balvenie 40-year-old, I had some um, Tam Navoolin 1973 vintage. We had some Abba 14-year-old. You know, great, great, great whiskies and competitive whiskies to us at Tamdu as well. But actually sampling that with your colleagues who were doing it remotely. So I had the, you know, Joe Reevely from Tamna Vullen, uh, Graham Crookshank from Aberlour, Stuart, uh, Stuart up at uh, Glenfiddich and Lorne at Balvenie. We sat together and we explored each other's whiskies remotely from one another, uh, nice. sampling them and, you know, Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant whiskies, award-winning whiskies, you know, absolutely phenomenal quality. That Caribbean cask with Balvenie, oh, an absolute stoter, an absolute stoter. So we can do a stay side by region. I like finishing night, I called it. So yes, the Caribbean cask, you've mentioned, uh, rum cask. So a finishing night. Um, another would be maybe an international night, which of course we, we could start in Scotland and we could go possibly to America. Sandy, I don't know your knowledge of bourbon. Is well, no, I'm not. I'm not a big bourbon fan, to be quite honest with you. But why? Why jump over the pond quite so quickly? Why not uh, even just do a UK? So we've got Welsh whiskey, we've got Penzing, yes. we've got the Lakes down in England. You know, the, you know, a number of different whiskies now down in England, but the Lakes is a cracker. And then you know, you go across to, to Ireland, and you've got that triple distillation that's going on over there. So you've got that real light stuff as well. So you know, you could even just do a a, a Great Britain or UK event. Um, and just exploring, and and if you wanted to split Scotland into the regions there as well, it's know. a lovely it's a lovely thought as well. Doing the UK night, yes, you can go around the world. I'd imagine with we had a, a few episodes ago, um, Susan Elstrom from the Cardrona Distillery oh, out in, in New Zealand, the South Island. Yep. Yeah. So you go the states for potentially a, a, a bourbon or a Tennessee whiskey, New Zealand's Cavalans, quite a big yeah. whiskey. Oh. I think we tend to we sometimes tend to forget that whiskey isn't just scotch. Um, whiskey is is absolutely global now. Um, and the thing that astounded me with that one was uh, taking part in the judging of the World Whiskey Awards. I think probably three years ago now, oh, right. four years ago. And it was a, it was an all day event, and it was bringing in whiskies from Israel, from Egypt, from New Zealand, from. Uh, South Africa, you name it, you know, it, it surprised you sitting there thinking, oh, I didn't even know they made whiskey there. Yeah. Um, so exploring some of that, and some of them are quite young and new into the industry. So again, they're maybe trialing different things. And, you know, we are, I'm not going to say restricted, that's the wrong word, but the Scotch Whiskey Act puts constraints on us in terms of exploring some certain things. Some of those other new emerging regions don't have those constraints. So they can maybe do things a wee bit differently as well and it introduces other flavours. Um, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or even watching YouTube, I'd love to hear some of the suggestions for 
whiskey yeah. evenings you can put together and that's some great suggestions there from the UK to international to a finishing night as well. You could go vertical tasting within one distillery mm -hmm. or you could um, have something else I haven't thought of. <laughs> that oh, maybe you oh, think oh, that's, but that's, that's it about this whole, this whole industry, Gordon, um, is that you've got this whole range of different things to explore and taste and find out whether you like it or not. And you know what? There's ones you'll not like and the ones you go like that. And God, I wish I'd found that five years ago. And my last, my question before we wrap up, um, and I might just get to this, um, palate, how, how was it being a judge? Somebody's, that's some people's dream job, being a whiskey judge, but <laughs> pressure? And is the, is um, the palate overwhelmed? It, it, uh, it was, it was I, I've done it on, on smaller events, but doing it on the scale of the World Whiskey Awards, it was down in London, uh, flew oh. down to, to London from, from Aberdeen for the day, pretty much. And, uh, you know, by the time I was coming back, because I, I started to actually drink them. Well, then maybe just spitting them back out again. Um, so it depends what you want to make of it in terms of that judging, but you could get absolutely hammered if you wanted. <laughs> um, but they kept on just keeping on bringing trays of drink out going it would be a, a dream night out for you Glaswegians so it would be that's how you got on that panel uh, Sandy <laughs> you've been absolutely fantastic I know you're a busy man I've got a uh, um, a challenge for big Gordon Dundas I just wanted to run a couple of them by you see if they're too easy or too difficult are you up okay, for a challenge no, don't put me under any pressure ok so this is the um, absolute quiz that's taken the world by storm I've got the answer what's the question so the answer to this question is 51% corn. What's the question? What are the Americans doing with their bourbon and experimenting? You almost get I'll give you three quarters. It's really just what's the legal definition for a bourbon. That's oh, the correct. Right, yeah. 51% corn. Um, let me see. Here's one. Closer to home. Little Dark. Or sinister hill is oh, the come answer. On, I know that. The come on, that's that's what what's the translation of Tam do? Yes, we got <laughs> that a lot. A we, lot. We did it's some just... we did some filming with the BBC uh, last last week, yeah, and that was one of the things we were talking about during that uh, during that filming. Is it true, Little Darker Sinister Hill, that in the days before legalisation, is it true that maybe that area they wanted to get the rumours going that there was nasty things happening? Keep away. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. There's maybe nasty things happening now. But, um, but, but you know, we, you look at that whole story of, of actually whiskey distillation in this region as well. And it was very much, um, you know, illicit stills going, running, up, running up in the hills. So maybe there was something going on right about here. I know. Who knows? And my final one, Sandy, nice and easy for you, though. The answer is, well, they're the two companies who made mills to malt the barley. So successful they were, they went out of business. What's yeah. the answer? What's the question? Yeah. Porteous and Bobby. Yes, what are yeah, Porteous they're, and Bobby? They're, they're, they're still the stalwarts, they're still built like chieftain tanks. Um, you know, they're still there. They'll be lasting for years to come. They'll be there after I'm left, that's for sure. It's extraordinary. You've still, you've got the Bobby one, the Bobby one, and it, yeah. these, these guys went out of business. Just yep. kept on going. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So. Well, Sandy, I'm going to raise a glass and hopefully we both Cheers. keep on well, going. I've, like decided, I've decided... I've decided what's the next Chinese New Year here, but as far as you're concerned, all it is is four seven three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. this is this is Chinese New Year next year, but it's Lanja just now, guys. Oh, thank you, Sandy. That's been immense. Cheers. Thanks very much, and all the best. Good to see you guys. Cheers, Lanja. Ah. Oh.
Fabulous. It was, it was a great it was a great time. It was a great no. time. But it's not as good as when we used to go up there. Next year we'll be doing that, Gordon. And you and I will probably by the Saturday night <laughs> be a few whiskeys <laughs> down. Would that be fair? And an emotional. Um, very briefly, Gordon, Sandy mentioned there about being a judge at the World Whiskey Awards. Have you ever been a judge at any of these whiskey? Because that's what a no, and I, I, I haven't, and I've been asked if I'm honest, but I haven't right. done it. Um, mainly because I've never been here enough in the past. I have been asked to be a judge at the World Whiskey Awards, I think, but uh, I, if I'm honest, uh, I don't think I'm the best person to do it. If I, I think there's people with better noses than me. Uh, my nose is not actually great. I think it, you know, I suffer from sinuses and things, so I don't actually have the best nose in the industry at all. I mean, really average, but maybe better on taste. But yeah, it's just something I've never, 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 uh, never um, sort of taken up on. But uh, I remember speaking to Dave Broom about it, and Dave, Dave's somebody I just, you know, I, I love everything he does. I think he's fabulous. Um, and he and I said, so how do you actually go about if you get a flight of twenty whiskies? What do you do? And he goes, well, you can't just drink them all and sample them all because your palate will get tired, and the last ones won't get the appreciation that they get. Um, so he says, actually, what he he noses them and has a little sip and spits, of course, and he'll go along and back along, and then he'll add water and take the alcohol out. So if you've got a whiskey at forty percent, add water to make it twenty percent. You take the alcohol effect out, you get more of the sort of flavors coming through, less of the alcohol. So the, I mean, you know, there's quite a lot of ways of doing it, but I've never. Uh, it's something I've never done, uh, mainly just mainly because of time, mainly because of time, but. Because of time, and I hope you appreciated uh, just trial. I was trying Sandy out on the. I've got the answer. What's the question? He did not oh. bad there, as you uh. saw. He did not bad. So I just yeah. gave him a bit, um, and I've got no time to go into too many. But I've just got a couple for you, and we'll maybe do this in our finale show of this series, which yeah, will be next yeah. next episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought, here's the answer, and you can have multiple questions. Okay. Here's the answer. Johnny Walker. That's the answer. What's the question? Now, this game that we're playing um, can have many questions, but I'm just going to tell you, Johnny um, Walker. What's the biggest selling Scotch whiskey? There we go. That's that's fantastic. You could also have uh, which whiskey teamed up with Game of Thrones to you release a special. Yeah. You could also what? have which whiskey was originally based in Kilmarnock. 1820. So that, that yeah. this game, we really want to try and produce this game next week. Gordon, um, we introduced him in the, because I've just completed this interview because of time. So could you explain what's happening next yes. on Whiskey so, Unscripted? Yes. Well, we have always tried to bring you a different element on this, whether it is uh, stupid quizzes, whatever. But where we, where Gordon and I, when we actually seriously thought about doing this initially, it was all about what can we as a producer bring to a podcast that's embracing the whole industry. And we, we have done that, we hope. But we also wanted to bring you some knowledge, whether it was from production, whether it was from Ian McLeod in terms of marketing. So we've had Katie, brand manager on, who's just had a baby. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, uh, or we've had production. We've had, um, you know, uh, different was, people on talking about production. Sorry, Jason with the Cooper, Sean yeah, from Tamdu. Exactly. So what we wanted to do is to take that to the next level. And we thought we'd speak to one of our longest running distributors. We wouldn't call him a distributor. We would call him a partner. Um, 
uh, and it's uh, Patrick Lutz, and he works for Charles Hoffer, which is a our business in or ref, res, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, looks after us in Switzerland uh, across some of our brands, and uh, so yeah, that's that's who we're going to speak to. So I think Great. Patrick is coming in shortly. Well, thank much further ado. Let me pass you on to two of the most handsome and attractive uh, interviewers in the business. Um, well. That is two of the best and most attractive people in the studio to pass over to us. So thank you very much. Um, Gordon, um, nice to see you again. Yes, <laughs> Just to speak to you a minute ago. But this is the part of the show we call the Insider's Guides. Could you do the honours and introduce our esteemed guest? Well, we are joined by on Whiskey Unscripted by Patrick Lutz, who is our, our partner. I'm not even going to use the word distributor in there. Uh, in uh, Switzerland uh, and Patrick you've been in this industry a long time you've worked with us a long time um, great to have you on the show thank you very much thank you to the two Gordons it, well it's I mean it's uh, and I'm and I'm now can I just say to everybody I'm feeling left out I'm the only person who's not in a sauna <laughs> How comes in a sauna? just because you have wood on the wall doesn't mean it's a sauna <laughs> thank you Patrick thank you <laughs> I mean, Scotland, but obviously it's not tea round here. <laughs> no, of course. Of course. I just had to say that. I'm joking. No problem so, at all. The phone will stop ringing in a second. It's okay. Sorry it'll be all those orders yeah, for those yeah, coins coming in. It cases and cases. Fabulous. Yeah, in a very so, busy office. Can I just ask before Gordon asks you the first question, the first question before the first question is where are you physically speaking from? Um, what town? What city? Just get, paint a picture. Okay, good. I live in a very, very small village in the Swiss mountains at something around 10,000 uh, meters above sea level, um, sea level called Chateau D. It's basically where I have my office. I live here. So if I walk very slowly, it takes me 32 seconds from the bed to the office, uh, which has been, uh, especially the last uh, 18 months, has been very handy because obviously home office is then not so difficult. Yeah. But being, you know, doing distribution, it's not that important anymore actually where you sit because what you yeah. need is uh, a strong connection via the internet, a good phone line, and the rest is can be organized. Then not to forget, Switzerland is a very small country. If you drive more than five hours, you have probably left Switzerland. Now, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask, is this true? And I, it might not be, but a Swiss man told me this. If you add up the height of all the mountains in Switzerland, right? Okay. Yeah. It is longer than the longest distance from east to west in Switzerland. Oh, it's probably true. I, I'd say it's probably true. That's quite an instinct. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he might have been... It's true. We'll go I, with true. Yeah. yeah, let's say true. I'm I was going to say, I think you might have been drinking. Uh, I don't know what kind of thing that was, Gordon. You've got to get out more. Come on. But I have to tell you, Gordon, it's not something that is normally taught at school so it's not uh, general no. knowledge that uh, no, no. teachers say and please be aware of that so uh no no it's uh, just we something need to make that some I, inquiries I, but it's fairly magical it, we'll actually. go with true we'll <laughs> yeah, go with yeah. true. <laughs> so patrick you've how long have you been in the drinks industry how long have you been working with us how give us a little bit of background before we get into well, the nitty-gritty of being a distributor you know now we are literally six weeks away from uh, the 10 years anniversary since I took over Charles Hoffer, uh, which is a 10 year, exactly a small uh, distribution company. I always tend to tell people we are probably the smallest among the big ones in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. um, 
And the company itself is running since 1989. So mm. since quite a while that we are in distribution. And I have to admit, um, Mr. Hoffer was set up the company. It's not like he had a huge archive on when did he start working with whom. But from what I can see in old ads, Glengoyne was one of the brands that was amongst the very first ones being distributed by Charles Hoffer. So since then we do it, it must be roughly somewhere in between 25 and 30 years that we look after Glengoyne. And then as you guys have been growing, we have been growing, other brands started adding onto the portfolio. So even before Ian McLeod owned Glengoyne, you were just Absolutely. Charles Hoffer. Yeah. Actually, we got in contact with Ian McLeod by being back in history, Edrington's distributor for Glengoyne uh, in uh, Switzerland. And I don't know who one of McLeod's guys said that we are probably one of the very, very last uh, distributors in a country that they took on along back, back in time from, from the Edrington group that is still on board. Yeah. Wow. And I, and I, and I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is necessarily correct, but I know there's a couple of distributors that we work with around the world. We've worked with for 20, 30 years. Yeah, exactly. We don't even have a contract with them. Yeah. So, I mean, nor do, nor do we. Well, there you go. And I think how, how, how beautifully refreshing is that? Because exactly. it's built on trust and it's Absolutely. built on, yeah. and that really does stand yeah. for something in this industry. Yeah. Well, that's no, can, that's uh, sorry, Patrick, can, can I just say that's a great please. place to have a drink to that, it, oh, yes. these sentiments. So let's, before we carry on, what are we all drinking? And let's have a, a toasty friendship. Patrick, what are you drinking? Well, you know, we were talking before, and obviously I can, uh, you are now what on your 37th edition, so you have probably done all of your portfolio at one point, and <laughs> I do not only work with you, McLeod, and I was just looking at something interesting that has a, a bit of background story. So, um, since my wife is Australian, I came along of um, along uh, a sample of quite uh, recently acclaimed Star Wars single, single malt from Australia. And one of my other partners offered me a single cask that I'm going to bottle as a Charles Hoffer exclusive later in the year. Oh. So uh, I just got a very small sample uh, that I had, but it's a 2016 Star Wars. Nice. And, and they've, done some really, they've done some really, really good stuff. And mm -hmm. And and just as a little side note, I was speaking to we were speaking to some friends, obviously, um, in New Zealand about the burgeoning whiskey in New Zealand. But actually, Australia, I mean, it's an unbelievable market now for 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 whiskies and the quality of what's coming out there. Really love a lot of the products and Starward Starward really have pushed the boundaries. Yeah, and you know, I guess uh, I remember years ago I attempted you or no years ago, a couple of years ago, I was there for a month visiting a family and then after two weeks I got a bit bored and my mother-in-law thought I was an, uh, an very hard alcoholic because I started just for fun ordering three four bottles of whiskey from all existing Australian whiskey um, distilleries and you know there were parcels of whiskey coming in that I all brought back to Switzerland so I brought back something like 30 bottles and that must have been five six years ago and back then there was maybe eight nine or ten distilleries but if you look at the map now, yeah. they have something like 35 yeah. distillers and the quality has changed so much. Oh, it's unbelievable. Oh. Yeah. And there's some really good, really good distillers and some really good yeah. people that I used to work with yeah. as well, which is Absolutely. great. So yeah. great choice. Fabulous. Yeah. Something Glad different. It. Mr. Dallas, what are you on? I'm on, I've decided um, the one I haven't tasted that's been in the background all 36 episodes. This is the 37th. This is the Glasgow Distillery, Gordon. 
So the new kid in the block, really in Glasgow, and I know one of our mutual friends works there, and I first had a drink of this on the Baltic Sea, on a on a whiskey festival. Uh, nice, nice people, and uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the story of Glasgow is a a very rich one when it comes to whiskey. Yeah. So this is a uh, first fill bourbon casks, and then finished in virgin oak casks. Also a bit spicy. Quite I'm hoping vanilla, a little bit spicy. I'm sure it'll be very nice. And of course, in the last month or so, they've just bought the Spade Distillery, effectively site, which they'll move into from 2025. So uh, now yes. I think the current Spade Distillery, which produced this beautiful whiskey in an almost an olive oil type bottle, if you know what I mean, uh, and and uh, um, they're own the, the the stuff on the inside <laughs> it's all quite complicated but i don't i think they're moving to a different anyway that's sort of how it all works so, so that's is, all very interesting this was the 1770 i think it's called isn't okay. it 1770 uh, actually the original so well, what, what i'm drinking i am drinking i've i've got my my house is full of sample bottles and it's from not just where i work now which is fabulous and some great things i've also got what i call a sample bottle jackpot you just grab it Go in, pull something out. And so what I've got here, I've pulled out a, a, a bit of a belt. I used to work for Bumore. This is a 23-year-old sample refill sherry cask, 52% um, alcohol. And it's, a, it's in, the, I think it's, oh, I can't remember. I think it's a vintage 1988. And it just has that little hint of Bumore in the 80s on it, which is that, very famous note that actually was called FWP by one or two people. And it had this sort of Parma violet perfumey nose. It's a hint of it in this FWP. It was called in the whiskey press was French whores perfume. Uh, and it was just this <laughs> unique smell of, of, of that's Beaumore. Beaumore from the eighties is well known for having this aroma. Um, and they never worked out a hundred percent why it was. Um, but uh, some people really like it. I quite like it. Some people don't like it. From and it was a real trait of Bowmore in the eighties. So beautiful, beautiful. Whiskey. Interesting, great stuff. So, right, insider's guide to being a distributor. I'll ask the really simple questions. Gordon can do the complicated. <laughs> <laughs> could, I, could I ask um, for those um, that don't really know what is the job? What, I mean, I know the word distributor, but what is a whiskey stroke spirits distributor? actually do well that is a very simple question to answer would you like it in two or in three sentences no well you know there is several things obviously there is a side which is logistics which is the rather simple side obviously buying from scotland bringing in making sure customs are happy with all the documents you show them paying the bills and making sure that the clients in switzerland get hold on the whiskey that you try to distribute but I believe the, the much more important side of it is also to create emotions, uh, to transmit the idea behind different brands that we distribute, to be present in the market. And this is why, if you look at Charles Hoffer, it's not a brand that is commonly known by consumers mm -hmm. because we always try to shine through the brands that we present. I am much happier if someone walks in and says, oh, this is the guy that uh, is the guy from Glengoyne. I don't care that they don't recognize me as being the guy from Charles Hoffer, but it means yeah. we have done something correct. And obviously it's creating this base 
uh, holding, keeping contact with, uh, you know, uh, journalists, uh, with specialized uh, stores, with uh, opinion leaders, also with supermarket buyers, etc., uh, etc., et being present at shows, all these kind of things. So ultimately, we always see us outside of Scotland, the, the place to go if you have a question around the brands that we distribute. So, Patrick, I'm interested in the in the in the bit that maybe people forget a little bit, and that is actually the physical element of getting the whiskey into your market. So, when 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 a I see vans, well, I haven't seen a van leave Broxburn for many many a year nearly, but we see lots of lorries taking mm-hmm. our products, and we oh, wonder where that one's going. One, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, they'll obviously go in you know containers or whatever, depending on where they're going. Um, how does that actually work? Because Switzerland will have different because you're not in the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, let's not mention the B word yet, but um, <laughs> uh, so it's a different regime. It's a, you know, so, so how does that actually work when, when we get an order and we dispatch it to you, yeah. what happens? What happens then? Well, yeah. in the very best case, a truck shows up, the pallets are ready, the documents are ready, which is with the Megalot always the case because your logistics team is very uh, spot on. Yeah. And then I work uh, with a Hollier who is very well organized because they basically do direct Scotland, Switzerland once or twice a week. So this is really the very best case. So it's a specific Hollier that you exactly. work with. Exactly. It's whiskey from Scotland. Too. Exactly. Yeah. He oh. normally gets for different uh, clients in Switzerland, um, the product to his main warehouse in Bradford. And there he will load up, a, you know, like a 40 ton truck with products that comes only to Switzerland. The driver then takes off, uh, goes through Dover, the canal and comes through Switzerland, presents himself at customs, does the clearance, and then it will ultimately end up, but the same t- truck will then from Bradford end up in our warehouse. It could be a truck that has been coming to your box burned directly, yeah. depending on the quantity. You know, it can yeah. be, we have yeah. sometimes imports two pallets if it's something very special. It can be 20 pallets or if we coming to the end of the year. Yeah. Okay, wow. so once the whiskey arrives with you, yeah. um, you obviously will be accepting orders for that from the, exactly. from the, from your key customers absolutely um across all channels do you specialize in a particular area i mean i know you do but yeah yeah we do yes and no but no we have across all channels we have clients um depending on what brand it is you know we have uh, direct on trade clients because we want to be present there because it's a a matter of uh, image that you know top restaurant top whiskey bar you need to have glengoin on that it's absolutely crucial then we will have supermarkets but what we are not so strong is discount if you look at the products we carry it's not really discounted products normally it's like high-end or or, or like uh, more specialized uh, products and then we will have a range of in between 250 to 450 active retailers clients specialized stores etc across switzerland and uh, we keep in contact with them it can be chains it can be individual stores where we then dispatch it to and where the final consumer can then go and uh, get lucky. And can I ask what whiskies you do distribute? We've mentioned Glen Goyne. Uh, is that your decision? Which ones would sell in Switzerland? Is that just trial and error? So paint a picture of what else or what whiskies are going down well and the ones you choose? Okay, well, ultimately, uh, it's several things. You can, as a distributor, go towards the distillery and say, oh, we'd like to distribute you. 
but as we all know, the very good distilleries are properly distributed. Uh, we have set up historically a portfolio that basically has one distillery per area. So we will do mm. Aaron on the Isle of Aaron. We will have Glengoyne in the Thousand Highlands. We will have Tomatin in the Northern Highlands. We will have Glenallachie in Speyside. And we have Glengyle in Campbelltown. So my personal idea to create a portfolio was always to create mm. something that I... It's not in competition to each other. You know, I can always yeah, yeah. go to and say, you need all my whiskeys because if you want to have a very good selection Absolutely. and cover the areas, you need them all. Absolutely. And, and it would be much harder if you have six uh, space side distilleries because then, well, which one am I selling today? So I never need to think about it. Yeah. And they all also happen to be, I mean, if, you, if you're honest, they all happen to be very similar distilleries, if you know what I mean, family run sort of, Absolutely. you know, yeah. En yeah. entities producing yeah. really good quality whiskey yeah. that are, you know, they are, you know, run by really, really good people. They're not big multinationals. Yeah. You know, you know Gordon, you got basically the essential of our portfolio because I do not only whiskey, we do also cognac and, yeah. and we do sherry and we do port, etc. But the main idea for Mr. Hoffer 30 years ago when his company was to basically represent rather independent family run historic companies and we always try to get one of the top three not in volume but in quality per region category and you know there are some categories that are harder to distinguish who is the top three but i believe especially when it comes to whiskey yes in some places we are absolutely there where we wanted to be there very interesting so if we look at the market now obviously yeah. covid has had an impact like it's had everywhere how is the Swiss market uh, for, for, I mean, if, it's interesting. I'd really like to get an idea yeah, of yeah. of your whole portfolio of everything yeah. that you do from mm -hmm. spirits to cognac. And I'm a yeah. big cognac fan having, yeah. um, how big is whiskey? Is it growing? Is the others stable? Is You see what I mean? It has been a very interesting year. Uh, whiskey has historically been growing over the last 10 years. Uh, I believe for various reasons. Um, a, the whole industry has uh, done a very good job in market itself, I, especially Scotch whiskey. It's not whiskey in general, but Scotch whiskey mm -hmm. by being very, very strict on regulations. You know what you get. And since 25 years, and there we have to say also thank you to some of the very big corporations, of course. they have done a great education within the market. So mm -hmm. if you are the only one having one product, it's harder than if you have 50 ones in competition because the more people speak about, the more people know, the more people wanted to know more about the product. Um, so whiskey is a very important part. Interestingly enough, when I look back over the last year, we have been growing substantially amongst pretty much all categories. Now, obviously you have categories that are stronger on the on-trade, which we could pick up some in the off-trade, but not everything. But generally speaking, high quality whiskey in Switzerland, the majority is drunk in your private home and people stay at home. Home office is very good because your boss does not only see if you're wearing pants or not in <laughs> Teams meetings, but he does not always have the right side if you have already had the drum before or after lunch, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe some, some discussions were easier because there were some drums involved. I would agree with you. I mean, I, you know, having, having, you know, if you take cognac, 
I think cognac, I, I'm a big cognac fan. I, I learned a lot about cognac when my previous job, I mm-hmm. represented Courvoisier. And mm-hmm. uh, what I really learned about cognac was that it's a, it's, it's a fabulous product, but it's a very, it, it's a blend of a lot of, you know, different, different farms and all in one bottle. That's, you know, all those beautiful sort of, you know, different areas within cognac. It's a very different product. But one thing I would say is it's a much narrower product in terms of its taste profile. So if you look at the big five cognac houses, the narrowness of the taste is, I mean, there is a difference, but it's not anywhere near as big as single malt. And, and I think that is a success. I think exactly what you said we work as an industry to move forward as well much better than i know the cognac houses don't really get on and that doesn't help them either so you don't see shows like cognac live anywhere or anything you know that there's whiskey shows everywhere and there's no cognac shows Mm -hmm. and that's probably i think an element of the sort of community of whiskey growing absolutely on that point of whiskey shows uh i want to ask you about the, the future of the whiskey show, but how Gordon's desperate for a trip to Switzerland. <laughs> Can I just say, I was absolutely gobsmacked. It's a colloquial expression here in Scotland. It's when I got off the train in Luzerne for the Whiskey Sheaf Festival, turned the corner after I dropped my bags off, and there was a pipe band. I thought they'd flown a pipe band over from Scotland. It wasn't. I think it was locals with the full tartan regalia oh, I love it. They and they the bagpipes. And they were playing just for you. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Never drinking whiskey soaked uh, bratwursts. It's wonderful. So, and did how you Gordon... arrive in Switzerland? Just did you arrive in Switzerland, Gordon, with your Dairy Lee Dunker? Or had you eaten it? Really? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, my wee satchel. Yes, I, I, I was empty. I was starving. Um, but how important are these whiskey festivals for the you know the category of single malt and whiskey? Well, I believe. A festival is basically the best point where you can emotionally touch the final consumer. And uh, you have been at our show, so we have a lot of our distributors coming, uh, of our partners coming and that are present. It's also the good thing that you see a difference is when we have like 10, you know, all our Scottish plus the guys we have from England, the guys we have from uh, Wales present as well, that everybody gets along, everybody's interested in what the other ones do. Mm. But it's literally where the consumer can go and see you, one of the two of you, or from another brand, and basically speak directly and get the feel of the brand itself through uh, a personal experience. And most of them will also share, you know, like, oh, I've been there, is this such and such still in the visitor center, etc., etc. So I believe this is quite, this is quite important. Although um, when the brand is established, then, oh, we see Gordon is hanging up the Zermatt uh, yes. <laughs> pictures if, in the background. If you go to YouTube, if you listen to this on iTunes or Spotify or Google uh, podcast, if you go to you, uh, YouTube channel, you can see that Gordon, to curry favour, has decided to place in the backgrounds a, a lovely Zermatt picture. <laughs> No, so this is literally, yes, the shows are important. I believe they are very important for new brands. They are very important for new products. If you want to launch something, you're going to explain something. Mm. And I do believe you can go a year or two without a show, but then it gets harder and harder to uh, transmit this. And obviously it's easier. Obviously, if you guys come three days, yes, it's a lot of... Uh, time consuming but you're there three days if it's a good show you will see in the very best case 2500 yeah, uh, yeah. final consumers yeah. if you do the same in master classes or in-store promotions you will need 
for the same amount of time you need to like three weeks uh, traveling etc etc yeah no i couldn't agree more and i mean i think obviously with the lack of global whiskey shows i actually think they'll come back bigger and stronger because yeah. i think there's more demand for them because you know drinking and, and whiskey is a social thing and it's more absolutely. where everybody meets up at far less the whiskies if you know what i mean it's a really yeah. social aspect yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Um, yeah, that so was my, just my, my addendum onto that was the future um have you heard anything on the grapevine in well this? at the moment in switzerland we hope that after the summer whenever this is uh we should be finding some kind of new normal so to speak now, at the moment, they are working on what kind of restrictions or what kind of, you know, like uh, security networks you need to have. But as soon as there is some planning security, from what I hear, in Switzerland, they're trying at least uh, whiskey and more in Geneva, or then uh, later, uh, at the end of November, the whiskey show in Zurich should be back on. So these are normally trying to plan something also uh, because there is such a high demand from uh, consumers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so... If, if we have a look at, for example, not just our portfolio, but mm -hmm. whiskey in general, I mean, if you've got a 10 and we've got, you know, a 10 and 12 year old, very different whiskeys, yeah. um, although, you know, two years difference and things like that. And then we have something like a 30 year old at mm -hmm. a 850 pound yeah. price point and pretty much everything in between. When you get, a, I mean, how do you sort of target where you're going to sell a 10 year old or sell a 12 year old? Or do you, do you pick a channel that you're going to sell it in or do you and then how do you sell these i mean a lot of people ask me how do you actually sell an 850 pound bottle of whiskey <laughs> so uh, that's a very good normally i am very happy or very lucky we have a portfolio where literally liquid to lips sells every bottle so my job is easier than if i had to sell something that would just be good because there is a swarovski stone on the bottle but when you open it, you don't feel that great. So uh, that's a different story. Um, yes, obviously, you will channel certain things. You have a specialized whiskey store who might say, I want to have the full range because I love, so to speak, Lengo, and they will have from 10 to 30 everything. Then, obviously, if you try to go wider, it has also to do, do, do with allocations. Let's say Lengo, 18 years old, is something that... Uh, I don't really work a lot for it because uh, three months of the year we don't have stock to sell because it's very limited uh, it's, because it's on allocation. It's exactly. fine, but then you are not targeting any bigger uh, uh, account yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. So normally you would say 10 or 12 will probably in a Glengoyne portfolio be the ones that you try to then say, do we have potential volumes to that can be done? And then you will try uh, to, to find that. Now, on the other aspect is obviously at the moment a bit less, but a lot of Swiss consumers travel to Scotland because if you are within whiskey, I don't know many that have never been. And being at a distillery, normally you don't go to try the 10 year old, but you rather pay some extra and you try the 25 and 30 year old because it's the bottle you can afford, but yeah. you want to pay the money only if you really like the whiskey. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I believe, especially there, the shows are very important because let's say a 10 year old, I buy it. If I don't like it that much, when my friends come over, let's crack it open. Tomorrow it's yeah. empty and it's done. The 30-year-old that I drink maybe with my wife, eventually with my best friends, uh, I want to be sure to spend that money. And then I'd rather go to a show. And as you know, in Switzerland, you have to pay per dram when you go to a show. And you rather go and pay 20 or 40 or 50 quid for a dram. Yeah. And you taste it and you say, 
yes, that is what I want to invest yeah. in. Yeah. It's like a car. You don't buy a Maserati without test driving. No, absolutely. Oh, you could do it, but probably not. I well, I mean, I didn't test my drive my Ferrari, <laughs> but you know that's fine. Yeah. Um, I did not um, capture. I just just bought it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you had a second one because you got a ten percent discount. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And like, I mean, I always say, and you know, it's it, you know, and I would actually say this from a perspective of the wider whiskey. If you're a big Glengoyne fan and you've tasted everything and you love it and you buy it regularly, if you ever go to a whiskey show. If I'm honest, it's the last stand you should go to. Really, you should go and try a whole lot of other things, and I mean that. And you know, if you, if you're a any other brand loyal drinker, absolutely stay with that brand. It means a lot to you, whatever. But get out and try a whole load of other things because that is what whiskey's about. And we see now, and we're seeing it here. I'm sure Switzerland's the same. People moving around the category much more than they ever used to. So peated whiskies, unpeated whiskies, uh, sherry casks, whatever it may be. Are you seeing that in Switzerland as well? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, you know, when you speak to consumers, most of them will say, I love that distillery and yeah. I have everything. But normally they will have a wide selection of other whiskies that I've tried that I might like as well. And then ultimately, whiskey is something that's to do with mood, with temperature, with uh, who you drink with. Absolutely. So so I don't, personally, even I don't believe there is one whiskey that fits all, all moments and everything. So the, the beauty is uh, to, to be able to, to, to compare, to try, to change, to adapt to the weather situation. Yeah, yeah no, but, absolutely. Just since this is whiskey unscripted, and you've just mentioned about the whiskies, could you give us, you know, you, you've mentioned about the the five whiskies. I think you you bring into Switzerland. Yep. Just a little sentence on each of the whiskies uh, for our listeners to get a little flavour of the whiskies that you import. Okay. Um, well, I don't really think I need to say a lot about Glengoyne. You've been talking a lot about that. We yep, know yep. The, the whole range. Uh, so this is our part also when it comes to being completely unpitted and very sherry driven. Yes. This I believe is uh, the, the keynote uh, there. Yeah. Then when we go to the forest uh, west, Glengyle, Campbelltown, obviously that covers this beautiful, independent, slightly peaty, salty freshness with a yeah. very, very well balanced distillate at the base. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when we come to the Isle of Arran, it's probably the the it's it's a younger distillery you know obviously they are just um just about 25 know, about 25 we're just counting yeah, yeah, just yeah. over 25 years old and i always tell to say you know this is the oldest distillery of the new ones that pop out everywhere so aaron has probably been over the last 20 years the most versatile because they've tried everything uh, that you should and shouldn't try. And now, uh, over the last three years, come back to an amazing portfolio that is that, that is clear now and that reflects absolutely their, their beauty. And before you go any further, can I just say, if you want to see here, you and Mitchell of Isle of Aaron, who's their managing director, series two, episode eight, we had you and on talking about the Isle of Aaron. Ah, absolutely. Oh. Great stuff. Also, a guy, you know, whenever I remember, also one of these... You know, ever working for the same company, whenever I know them, he has been the guy that yeah, was there in was, the office 
running the things. He was at Springbank, went to Aaron. He's been <laughs> exactly. Aaron for and he about 15 odd years. Exactly. And yeah. he is one of the good guys. Not, yeah, not, not that there are any bad guys. He's a uh, top man. No, no, no. He's the guy that was still working with Charles Hoffa when we used to send fax orders. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Still Mr. doing Campbellton. <laughs> and Mr. Hoffa did not speak uh, a very good English. So they were trying to decipher the order that was written in half German English with a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, Adam of Hat Springbank, Glen Goyne. Then when you go further up, obviously with the Martin is um, a distillery that has to me an amazing history, a bit like Glen Goyne as well. You know, it's a distillery that's been around for over hundred years, huge distillery that has been put, especially to Martin, a lot of work into uh, wood policy and maturation over the last years and gone a different way. You know, Glen Goyne, we are sherry, uh, um, sherry's a core, uh, tomato went the other way to have like different expressions working with virginal, with podcast, with Oloroso, etc. So uh, also a very interesting, very well-balanced uh, uh, yeah. portfolio. And they've just brought out a French wine collection or something, is that not right? Absolutely. And, and for those out there, Series 2, Episode 4, Scott Adamson was on talking about uh, tomatins. So. Good old Scott. Had them like last week on a presentation. Yeah. They're lightly peated uh, whiskies. They do the Cubocans. Very good, which is very, very good. good. Yeah, but, very good. And then obviously the last... Um, Adding to, to our portfolio, which was Glen Alecky. We used to do Glen Ross's historically, but when the Berry Brothers sold the brand, we stopped distributing that. And we're very lucky to uh, get Glen Alecky uh, on board. And Glen Alecky is, I believe, uh, a promise to the future. As uh, we know, Billy Walker came in and changed radically uh, uh, what happens at Glen Alecky. And yeah. I was uh, discussing with some uh, consumers the other day, if you look at... Uh, 12-year-old that came out just when they took over and the 12-year-old they do today, you see the potential that you have in a very classic yet uh, maybe a bit uh, more interesting space at distillery as mm. the mass maybe, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think Glenn Alecky, what Billy, Billy's got the magic touch, he, he does some really good things and uh, I, I'm uh, Valley of the Rocks. Did you know that? Yep, absolutely. Did you know that, Gordon? No, that's what Glen Alecky yeah. means. Ah, this is right? also why people always say it's the the logo is out of Flintstones, but it's not. <laughs> it's basically I wasn't going to say that. The Valley of the Rocks. It is actually a, a, yeah. an artist who has carved it out of stone, and okay. obviously this is an ancient way of carving. Um, uh, the letter, so the logo has has a meaning behind it. So I know, um, I know it does, but yeah, you, people have said that to me as <laughs> exactly, well. and and it's uh, not the truth. There is a lot of thinking no, behind know, it, I and know. when you know it, it's it's beautiful what is done behind. No, it is, <laughs> and so there. I mean, there are five great. five great distilleries. So what? Give us a flavor of one. Of, you also got a bottle of Edinburgh gin behind you. Yeah, I do. Well, we don't talk about gin on here, but um, how's, I mean, that's obviously part of our portfolio. We've got Smokehead as well, yeah. which gives you a really heavily peated, exactly. which you don't have with, so, exactly. but you really have got, a, and an Isla, obviously, as well. Exactly. You know, the thing is, find yourself an Isla distillery is not that simple nowadays. No. No. And we were lucky because we had that comedy. I have a single mark from Isla. We don't know who, what's inside. Ooh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> but... Uh, we then always focused on a uh, smokehead. So we have a single one from Isla. So yeah. this we cover nobly then with either brands 
or then I am, I do also work with Barry Brothers in London. And with them, we do our independent bottling. So I have Carolinas, I had Lafroigs, et cetera, which we then bottle as exclusive for Switzerland single casks where we can round up our portfolio. But the main focus has always been on literally the distillers we represent here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I will say it now and I will say it. There is no other, there is no other single malt in the whole market like Smokehead. Um, mm. It really does stand out. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, yeah. and a lot of and, people... you know, I have also, you haven't seen behind, you know, for instance, look, this is something also, so it's something you guys do, so we can cover also oh, a, a very so. interesting uh, yes. uh, side of, of yeah. maybe the flavor profiles we don't have amongst the distilleries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah can I just say, for our listeners, because uh, we're talking over Zoom, so he, Patrick just held up a Six Isles, which is a blended malt from six of the Scottish islands. What which are my again, favorites? Again, is a very, there's no other product like that. So, oh, it's lovely. You know, I love that. You know, I think I would guess from your perspective and from everybody's perspective, what you want in a product is a unique selling point. Mm-hmm. Having a blended malt from six different islands is a unique selling point. There is nothing else yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and Smokehead, well, I mean, it's pretty unique for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so um, you were last over here, Patrick, in March, like literally about two weeks before we were lucky to get home (laughs) we landed we came out of the airport and the shutdown no not exactly but it was literally like five days or ten days before before. the whole world went exactly yeah we were already saying oh should we shouldn't we etc yeah there was well we were holding a for want of a better word it wasn't a conference but it was a a a gathering and uh and uh, a lot of people unfortunately pulled out because of what was going. But Patrick was there with met with the Swedes were there. There was many others there. Exactly. It was good, yeah. good, good few days. Absolutely, yeah. it was a great night. Very it was good, good night. fun. It was yeah. good fun. The official lounge of the rebranding, and then it was yeah. very important for us to know what was going on, etc. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's part of what we do as well. There is no distillery I haven't visited myself yet, and it's also this to keep in contact, to be on site, to understand, to touch the product. Because I do believe so my, my sales team, whenever I can, I take them along with me, not because they need to go traveling. We sell in Switzerland where, when we are not at home, we don't sell. But it's so much easier to sell if you have touched the product, if you have seen, if you've spoken oh. to the people. Because ultimately, yeah, you know, I have a very strong belief what we do is luxury. And nobody needs what we do. Or normally when they need it, they normally go lower in quality than what we sell. So the main thing we sell is emotion and the emotion is bigger when shared. So if we can uh, give you an emotion whilst drinking, doesn't mean you drink more, but you should have a more relaxed feeling because you have a great drink that is shared with great friends, great people, or you get a smile on your face because there was this amazing, very charming uh, lady uh, giving the tour at Glengoyne, or there was, uh, I don't know, some very yeah, uh, special-looking exactly. distiller guy or, or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Gordon, you've worked at Glengoyne, and you know, even when you say to people, "Well, actually, you know, when you when you walk from the car park into the distillery, you're changing over regions." Yeah. Everybody will go, "Well, yeah, okay," and it, we know it doesn't make any difference to the whiskey at all. But actually, when you go there for the first time, you go, "Oh, this is me going into the island." Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, it, it means something, and yeah, you know, you absolutely. can talk about it and show a video. But when you do it yourself, that's in a very simple way. Um, you absolutely get yeah. it. 
into mm -hmm. the other aspects of what we talk about, slow distillation, quality of casks, et cetera, et cetera. And it's true of most distilleries. It's not just Glen. It all just sort of, ah, oh, I'm sort of got it now, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And one thing I wanted to ask you is, um, did you know this? And this comes from the Ewan Mitchell interview. Lag, their new distillery. Absolutely. You probably do know this. I do know that. I was there actually when they launched, a, it was my birthday, the day where... Um, the cask owners were invited uh -huh. and you know as a company we already own three or four casks there okay. as yeah. invested for the future great promising stuff also uh -huh. coming up for the future and obviously bringing in some extra peat style yes and this ma is my point ma maybe some style similar to what you have in your glass uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, are they all similar PPMs? Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> um, but actually, you want but, you, see but I think we discussed with Ewan. Oh, wait, Patrick. I think when we discussed with Ewan that I think, and I'm again, I might be wrong on this, but I think I'm right. Um, lag will become because the south of the island of Arran is in the lowlands. And so lag will become a lowland, peated, heavily peated whiskey. Is that there right? And for go, the lag. camera, for there YouTube, again, Patrick's holding up a, a sample bottle of lag. It's, lag. it's lag new make. Oh, at 63.5. Really? Um, and is it really, really good? Absolutely. You could drink I, this as a neat drink. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely. I can also do the same because I like that as well. I can also this. I am a, a big fan of new make, so I have also a bottle of sixty-eight percent Glengoyne new make, and this is amazing because you can basically pour that and drink it neat. So good it is. Yeah, but you yeah, have two yeah. different beasts. Something you have here something very, yeah. very uh, green apple fruity, and here you have something really misty, meaty. dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. salty, meaty. Yeah, absolutely. And coming on to the final thing that I want to talk to you about, which we'll have some new make for maybe in a year and a little bit, is Rosebank. Absolutely. So Rosebank, uh, obviously, you're, you know, from your perspective, we, we released the 30-year-old, um, yes. which I know you had an allocation of. I did. I assume that went fairly quickly. Would that be yeah. fair? Within um, 48 hours. Oh, <laughs> Why? And Amazing. the demand was still higher than the offer. Yeah, it wasn't um, cheap. Well, that's right. Is that fair to say? It wasn't too low a price. It was quite expensive. Yeah, it's yeah, it was. Oh, but I mean, you know, I think it's history. It's exactly. We are going to be the very last generation even able to buy this kind of whiskey. You have one there behind you. You pointed it absolutely, and uh, and and I believe this is something that people sometimes forget about this. Yes, probably, and no, for sure, the new make that will come out and the new whiskies down the line mm. will be great as well. Yeah, but the thirty-year-old from the old distillery will probably never be the same as the thirty-year-old from the new distillery. They will come maybe very close, or yeah, maybe not right. at all. Yeah, and this is my point. And when people talk to me about price of whiskies and things like that, I'm like, you know, when you're when you're when you're buying whiskies of 30, 40, 50 years old, they come from a finite amount of casks, you know. Mm -hmm. And you really, uh, and certainly something even from Rosebank, you know, all these casks have been, you know, there's no whiskey being produced from Rosebank from 1993 onwards. So there's been nothing. 
So you are buying this little packet of whiskey, and that's what you're buying when you buy a bottle of this. It's not just a 30-year-old. It is not just a 30-year-old. It's a unique bit of history. Absolutely. And from a yeah. perspective of being an investor, imagine going to the bank and say, I want a hundred grand they're gonna bury in my cellar, and I'm gonna lose three percent or more every year. Yeah. And they're going to wait for 30 years. You know, the, every banker thinks you are completely uh, out of your mind to do that. Yeah. So yeah. all of this is part of the things. And you, you sit down, you know, we are launching now a, a port wine from 1896. So sit down. And, and with all these products, it's not the product itself. But let's just sit down and say we open a bottle of 30-year-old Rosebank. And let's think about what happened since the time when this was distilled, since someone decided about the cask, what happened in our lives? What happened, you know, politically, geopolitically? Everything, everything yeah. Amazing. So this it is, is amazing. a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a capsule full of history. It's not just the whiskey itself that is in there. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And so, a fantastic place to stop. I think to put a full stop on Gordon. Uh, no, That's a wonderful thought. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Patrick, it has been, as ever, fabulous. And it's really just making me want to stand in a bar and have a dram with you. I can't I wait to see you again, my friend. Count on you. Um, and can, I, can I just put up, we don't have um, a, a league table, but can I, if we do have one, that Whiskey Festival Luzerne must be up there with the most scenic, picturesque whiskey festivals in the world. So we'll have to discuss it, that, it, just for visuals. It's also, it's also the hardest to get your expenses claimed through. <laughs> but well, um carry on patrick no problem <laughs> but um no look it's been an absolute pleasure i think you've yeah. given a great insight into the role of a a partner i don't even call i think everybody who you represent would call you a partner uh, you're very uh good at what you do and that's why we work with you and uh uh, we're desperate to come and see you and have a drink but uh, and sell some whiskey, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we hope to see you soon, my friend. Absolutely. And Same uh, for us to be back once for a live dram also in Scotland. Definitely. To see what has changed in the meantime. Yeah. All right. Look. Guys, take care. Cheers to everybody. You guys as well. Slanjava, right. folks. Slanjava. Slanjava. Fabulous, isn't he? What, what a guy. What a guy. I mean, you know, what a great business he's got there. Great portfolio you know, go, represents us so well. And, uh, you know, genuinely, when you go to Switzerland, so much fun out there. Uh, it's, you it's work sweet. hard, but it's good fun. It is. It is. Um, and I love these little gallop around all the other whiskey yeah, exactly. companies that he distributes as well. So it's a fascinating insight of what actually happens when the whiskey leaves a bonded warehouse. Yeah, exactly. Drive straight exactly. to Switzerland. <laughs> I will see. I mean, obviously, with his, with his business, he's got other... Scotch whiskey, so it makes sense. He works with a hollier who just does that and gets all the paperwork and does it all. Works perfectly. I love all that. What I've always liked is when you walk up a street, these lorries coming from who knows where, going to who knows where. It's amazing what happens all around you. But, but now we know two or three times a week there's a lorry leaving Scotland for Switzerland. So yeah. I've seen with other countries, I would imagine. So great, Gordon. That was a fantastic interview. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I think that's the that's end us. of Series 3, Episode 9. That's Episode 37 on Whiskey Unscripted. Episode 9? Yes. And we're back with... Um, if it is, I've made a terrible mistake. I can't be bothered going back and uh, to take it. And we're back with the final episode of this series. Yes, which is going to be a finale of 
simply banter, fun games, and a couple of other little interviews and things. And I have. I, I, I'll just a little flavour, and I'm using that. A little flavour is the brand new world's premiere of the game show Drink Cook Pair. But I've given a chef three whiskies, and they've got to decide whether they drink one, they cook with one, or they pair it with some food. That Fabulous. is in the next episode. So, Gordon Dundas, let's raise a glass and say, where is it? <laughs> and say, Slanjava. Cheers. I need to Cheers. go. There's somebody at the door. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>